who follow Jesus in repentance and humility and love in this age will, in the age to come, be raised from the dead to live on the earth forever. Simple enough? All right. That's what Jesus says here. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So what is meekness? I think meekness is twofold. First, similar to being poor in spirit, if you can remember three weeks ago, Meekness is restraint. It is um, being patient and having endurance and humble trust in the Lord to do right in the face of wickedness. 1 Peter 3, um, 14 bears this out. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you'll be blessed. Have no fear of them, the bad guys, nor be troubled. But in your hearts you honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So answer them, but not like a jerk, having good, a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So meekness is, according to Peter, rather than reviling at evildoers, and rather than uh, uh, puffing up at suffering, it's showing self-control, and it's showing restraint, and it's trusting in the day of the Lord to deal with evildoers, okay? You put your hope for restitution and vindication in that day, okay? In the hope, uh, and, and so as you do that, as you walk out this age in meekness, what you're doing is you're bearing witness to the hope that's in you. Okay, they're going to ask, why? I, I am running over you, and you're not fighting back. What's going on? And you say, day the Lord's coming, bub. Yeah. All right? <laughs> I could deal with you now, and you would do it again. He's going to deal with you once, and that's it. So repent in light of that day. Okay, it's the hope of the age to come and the dead being raised. Okay, meekness is, is just at a basic level. Hope in the Lord. James 5, be patient, therefore, brothers, until what? Until the coming of the Lord, right? Until the day. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth as they are now. Being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts in what? The coming of the Lord, it's at hand, it's near, so establish your heart in this day, on that day. Behold, the judge is standing at the door, okay? He, he's near and he's close. As an example, then, of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Not those who try and bring the day of the Lord themselves and bring vengeance themselves, but those who remain steadfast in the face of revilement. So in the face of evildoers, the blessed ones are the ones who patiently endure, who are meek rather than lash out in vengeance. So First Peter and James are, are written um, after Jesus spoke these words. You know what I did, guys? This is the longer sermon. Let me refresh and get the short one. For your sake, there are notes in here you don't care about. No, you don't. You really don't. There we go. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you what James, anyway. So, he says, take the prophets, right, who spoke about this. So, what did the prophets say about meekness? What did the prophets say about placing their hopes 
for vindication, and, and not in their own strength, right? The prophets don't, don't puff their chests out to try and deal with stuff, uh, and they don't put, put their hope for vindication in their own ideas about justice. But the prophets said things about the strength and the justice of the Lord. And his day, and he's, how he's going to walk it out perfectly. So let's look. Psalm 37, this is what the prophet said. This is what David said. This is what Amanda read. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, for they will soon fade like the grass. They will wither like the herb. Trust in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay? So in the context of the psalm, the desires of your heart is for justice at evildoers, right? Trust in the Lord, and he'll give you, he'll actually give you that. That day is set. That day is fixed when he will give you the desires of your heart if you trust in the Lord in this day and don't try and speed it up. Okay? Don't try and do it before the Lord is ready. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord and trust in him and who will act? He will act, right? He will move. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Kevin Durant. This is meekness, okay? This is what it means. This is restraint from carrying out justice for yourself and leaving it to the day of the Lord. I mean, that's what the whole psalm is. That's what Matthew 5, 5 is. Blessed are the meek, for they're going to inherit the earth. The Lord's going to do it, and you don't need to worry about the faithfulness of God. He's going to get it done. Verse 9, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord inherit the land. Okay? In just a little while. Right now, (laughs) this is a prophetic oracle. Okay? So when the Lord says, in a little while, it's a little while to him. Right? Like, we're like, okay, it's, you know what I mean? In just a little while, still, the Lord says, in just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, like he used to be there, he will not be there. But the meek, verse 11, the meek, the ones who trusted in the Lord, who restrained from vengeance on, on their oppressors, the meek shall inherit the land, and they shall delight themselves in abundant peace. Verse 18, the Lord knows the days of the blameless. And their heritage will remain forever. So the wicked are cut off. The wicked blow away like the chaff in Psalm 1 and 2. But the heritage of the meek of the righteous remains forever. The wicked will perish like smoke. They'll vanish away. But those blessed by the Lord will inherit the land. Those cursed by him will be cut off. 27. Turn away from evil and do good so that you shall dwell forever. Long time. For the Lord loves justice. He, he won't forsake the saints. He won't, okay? If, if this whole story ends and the saints have been forsaken, then, you know, God, God's a liar. Okay? So that's why in this age, you, you trust in the Lord. He will not forsake the saints. They are preserved forever. The righteous inherit the land, and they dwell on it forever. Wait for the Lord. Keep his way. He will exalt you to what? Inherit the land, okay? If you inherit the land, mark the blameless, okay? Look at them and say, that person's blameless. That person's meek. That person has an opportunity to get vengeance for themselves, but they never take it because they're trusting in the Lord. Behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. Guys, there are few passages in your entire Bible more clear about the day of the Lord than Psalm 37. The wicked will be cut off. The righteous will dwell forever on the earth. Okay? 
James says, what did the prophets say? Let's keep asking. Isaiah 25, it will be said on that day. What day? What day will we, will we say this? The day the Lord returns and does the Psalm 37 stuff, right? At the day of the Lord, we're watching Psalm 37 go on. Whoa, he's cutting off the wicked. He's raising the dead. They're inheriting the earth. They're walking on the ground. Behold, this is our God on that day. And we'll say, we've waited for him that he might save us. Let us be glad and let us rejoice in his salvation. What's his salvation? The day of the Lord when he comes and cuts off the wicked and raises the dead. That's his salvation. And we waited on it. And when we see it, we'll be glad and we'll rejoice. Okay, this is one reason I love gathering with the saints on Sunday, because we just get this tiny little picture of what it's going to be like on that day. We're going to gather and say, look what he's doing. Look what he's done. If you look at other passages concerning the return of the Lord, they've got tambourines and trumpets and they're singing and they're happy because the wicked, those who uh, brought sin upon the earth in this age and, and spread out unrighteousness, he's cutting them off and we're going, glory. you know what I mean? Like we're happy. We're glad. He's practiced patience with them. He's practiced patience with us and those who took him up on his patience, on his amnesty, on his forbearance. We're raised from the dead and they're cut off, guys. There's a day where wickedness is no more and the saints rejoice in it and we inherit the land. So we have waited for him that he might save us, that he might do it. So whose arm brought salvation? Whose arm Cuts off the wicked, the arm of the Lord, and the arm of the Lord alone. He's the one who cuts off the wicked. The meek wait on that arm, and we don't put trust in another arm. Okay? It's very important, because it changes everything of how you walk out your life in this age. If you think that you are the arm of the Lord, okay, you, we get the 30 years war, right? And that leads to the enlightenment, because everyone is so sick of the Christians and the Catholics killing each other. That's what you get. We trust, not in our own strength, not in our own arm, not in our own whatever, this program, that program. Hey, did you hear this new church growth strategy? Whatever. We don't trust in that. We trust in the arm of the Lord to bring salvation. Isaiah 57, keep going through the prophets. But he who takes refuge in me shall possess the land. And he who takes refuge in me shall inherit my holy mountain that we're going to eat and sing and feast on. Lamentations. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So that's first. Meekness is day of the Lord trust and restraint towards our enemies. And so what do the meek do in the meantime? Between today and the day of the Lord. How do we walk this out? We practice restraint. So uh, go back to Matthew 5, who Jesus is talking to. At this point in the history of Israel, uh, there's, there's these groups growing who suppose that the kingdom of God is going to come by violence. Okay, So Jesus is going after two groups the whole, all the way through the Gospels, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay? The Pharisees think that the kingdom of God is going to come if they're just pious enough, right? If they add laws to this and keep those added laws and all the other ones, the kingdom will come. The Sadducees say, forget that. we got swords strapped to our thighs and we're going to take on Rome. Okay, So this is, there, there, there's a, um, 
group that came before them called the Maccabees, who actually did that, who strapped swords to their side, gathered out in the wilderness, did guerrilla warfare on Rome, and took it over and won. And everyone's like, the Maccabees are awesome. But here's the deal. You don't overthrow Rome. You, you don't do it. And so as soon as they were tired of this Maccabean revolt, they just snapped their fingers and wiped them out. So the Sadducees, they've got Maccabean fantasy in their land. Like, we're going to bring the kingdom of God. The son of David's going to sit here in Jerusalem, and we're going to rule over all the earth. And then 70 AD happens. And it's like, well, maybe we're not. Okay, We're not going to do this thing, no matter how pious we are or how violent we get. Jesus says the meek inherit the earth. Those who trust not in the sword strapped to their thigh, but who trust in the sword strapped to his thigh. Okay, the kingdom, of the, the kingdom of God, the day of the Lord, it doesn't come by the strength of man, and it just never will. It never will. Jesus promises the kingdom not to those who try and force God's hand in their time, okay? Who run their little pathetic versions of the day of the Lord or do their cute little kingdom building thing. But he promises it to those who patiently and humbly wait for the Lord. That's who does the thing. Our hope is in that man seated at the right hand of the Father, given all authority over heaven and the earth to judge the living and the dead. Like, that's in him. It's not in you. And that takes so much weight off your shoulders. Because you turn on TV or you scroll through Twitter, and you're like, oh my gosh, the world is crazy. Like, we got demon-possessed people ruling over nations. And you try and fix that, you're going to start killing people. I mean, that's where it logically leads to, is we, we, we become assassins and kill. And guys, our trust is in him and his day for him to execute justice and righteousness perfectly. But for now, we're hunger and thirst for it. That's next one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Okay, that's first. But another way meekness plays itself out in this age is found in, okay? And I think this is especially important for us just because I don't know that we have a lot of violent enemies. Or if you do, Connor's here. All right, Daryl's here. We have, you know, we have a system for that. More, I think, important to us concerning meekness. Meekness is this. It's using the power we do have, Okay? Because you've heard a billion times, if you've been in church, meekness is not weakness, right? Okay, It's using the power we do have to love and serve people and not use our power to serve and to be served and to be loved by people. Okay, Because this is, guys, you have wicked human hearts in here and they want to be served. Just how it works. Okay, I'm sorry if you didn't know that. I'm telling you, your wicked heart wants to dominate people. Okay? Meekness says, I'm going to use the power that I do have, the influence I do have to love and serve people. And still, that overarching theme of trusting in the Lord. So, Numbers 12, which is just a hilarious story. Moses is accosted by uh, Miriam and Aaron. And they're saying, they, they, they kind of bump up at him and, and say, Moses, why should we listen to you? Doesn't God speak to us too? And Moses in his head, I think, is like, well... Yeah, because of what I told you, he no. said, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> and they, they jump him. And so right after they jump him, the next verse says that now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. OK, now I believe Moses wrote the Pentateuch. OK, I think Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy flowed from his pen, except for this one. All right. 
I don't. I, I think. I think one of the one of the scribes went back in and was like, "All right, now the man Moses, because it's not very meek to write. I'm the meekest man in all. You see what I'm saying? Okay. You know, guys. One of my greatest gifts is I'm just incredibly humble. Um, so, so anyway, Mo, Mo, Miriam and Aaron jump him, saying, "Why should we listen to you? Doesn't God speak to us?" And rather than defend himself. Rather than, than puff his chest out at them and, 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 and all the revelation that God has given him. Like, guy, just remember, Moses is the one who went up on the mountain, spoke to God as a man speaks to a friend, and comes down from the mountain, and his face is shining with the radiance of the glory of God. Okay, so he's, I mean, he could cut these two down to size in three seconds, and all the Israelites looking around would go, oh, you know, just, you got served. I don't know if it's... We don't say that anymore. Um, But what's he do instead? Instead of using his his power to dominate these two or bend these two to his will, what does Moses do? He doesn't do anything. They puff their chests out at him and he doesn't do anything. And instead, the Lord shows up and sets him straight. Okay, And it's kind of funny what he does to Miriam. You can read it in Numbers 12. So true meekness, I say, is the quality of the strong. It's the quality of those who could, who are are even within their rights to assert themselves, but instead trust the Lord, and they decline to domineer over people. And they, they decline to take advantage of people. So, if the meek person is the one who trusts in the Lord in the face of evil, and the meek person is the one who uses their power to love and to serve, do you see why the Lord, in His infinite wisdom, has chosen the meek to inherit the earth? Like, that just makes sense, doesn't it? If our job as human beings, our role from Adam is to rule over the earth, to to cultivate it, to fill it up and have dominion, who do you want in charge? Meek people. Right? Like, that's, that's just the wisdom of God. He's chosen not those who act in their own strength to punish evil, but those who wait on the Lord, and not those who domineer for personal gain, but those who use their leadership to love and to serve others to govern the earth. The meek will inherit the earth because they trusted the Lord with it now. Does that make sense? They, they get it then because they trusted Him now. The meek will govern the earth then because they loved and they served people now. And so if you have, uh, and whatever your, your sphere of influence is, okay, whether you're a parent or a boss or an employee or an elder or a pastor or a deacon or whatever, whatever that looks like, if you have a track record of using your power to dominate instead of serve in this age, you think Jesus is going to let you anywhere near leadership in the age to come? You know, like, like Jesus isn't like just brushing everything under the rug and then we get to the age to come and it's like, and you tell Jesus, Jesus, I'm really smart, okay? I really know how to get things done, okay? I was really talented. I had a lot of influence. And Jesus said, yeah, and you used it to serve yourself and not serve others and not love others. I'm not letting you anywhere near my beloved. Like, you're not getting your ego near these people. In the wisdom of God, leadership in the kingdom of God, of the planet, of the nations, of states and cities and small communities like Tonkawa, that leadership is entrusted to the meek, to people who go low to love and serve others and trust in the Lord. It's entrusted to those 
who walk out this age in humility and choose suffering in the present time for glory in the time to come. That's who inherits the earth. It's trusting in the Lord to vindicate rather than their own power. Look how uh, Paul then teaches this to Tim, or allegedly Paul. We assume Paul wrote Timothy. Okay, whoever wrote it had revelation from God. The saying is trustworthy, Paul says. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. Where? Will the meek inherit what? The earth. If we died with him, we'll live on the earth forever in a glorified body. Verse 12, if we endure, meaning if we walk out our days in meekness and and trusting him to cut off the wicked, if we'll endure, we'll also reign with him. The meek inherit the earth. If you endure now in meekness, you inherit the earth then. If we deny him, though, meaning we take justice and vengeance for ourselves, even though God has entrusted that authority to one man, okay? I don't see him today. You're all white Gentiles mostly, okay? This, a, a, a Jewish man in the heavens has been entrusted to do this, and he's going to do it. So if we deny him and try and do it ourselves, if we deny him, if we walk out our own way instead of meekness, he also will deny us. That's terrifying. It's terrifying. If we don't walk in meekness, he's going to deny us. If we are faithless, meaning if we don't trust in the Lord and trust in his day, he's going to remain faithful. Now, I know this is a coffee mug verse. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. This is a, bad, this is a negative verse, okay? This is bad news. If we are faithless, meaning we don't trust in his day, he remains faithful. He's still going to bring the day of the Lord. He's still going to do it, but we'll be on the wrong side because we didn't walk out this age in meekness. Do you see? He's going to remain faithful. God wants injustice off the earth worse than you do. I promise. He absolutely does. The extent of your injustice that you've experienced, the extent of your suffering, the extent of your uh, just enduring unrighteousness is like 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. The Lord has seen it since Genesis 3. Okay? Like he, man, he wants injustice off the earth far worse than we do, and he's going to do it. He's going to remain faithful to his promise because he can't deny himself. The meek will inherit the earth. The meek reign with him. Look what Jesus says to his disciples. Peter said in reply, after he had to send off the rich young man because he wouldn't let up his possessions. See, we've left everything, and we followed you. What then will we have? And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new world, okay, in the regeneration, in the, the age to come, right? When the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, you who have followed me, okay? You 11, because we've got to replace Judas after this. You who have followed me, who walked out your days in, in meekness and service and love and humility, trusting in me and in my day, you who have followed me, as I'm sitting on my glorious throne, you will also sit on 12 thrones, judging, Okay? Judging, ruling, leading, governing, okay? Having dominion over... (laughs) That's really cool. Judging the 12 tribes of Israel, which we only have 10 right now. That means two are going to be... Anyway, that's cool. Verse 29, And anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. And it's understood that eternal life includes... Judging the 12 tribes of Israel on 12 thrones next to the Messiah. Verse 30. But many who are first in this age 
Many who use their power to dominate and line their own pockets at the expense of others. Many who are first are going to be last in that day. They're going to be last. And the last, those who got run over because they put their trust in God to vindicate, they're going to be first. You see, like, this is what he's doing. He's entrusting leadership of the kingdom of God to the meek in this age. The meek will be first. The meek will inherit the earth. It's not complicated. But it is hard, right? Like the, 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 it's not like what Jesus is saying is hard to understand. It's hard to walk out. This is why we have to value and cherish and treasure and love the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Who keeps us on a narrow path until that day, okay? It's not complicated, but it is hard. Especially in, in I'm actually, I'm, I'm assuming it's been like this since Genesis 3. But we live, we live now. In our era in our society when everything everything is about climbing the ladder to be great no matter who you crush on each rung okay like i'm gonna lead the earth and jesus says no you are not no you are not parallel passage to matthew 19 luke 22 makes it even clearer a dispute luke 22 24 a dispute arose among them who's going to be the greatest right Jesus, when you sit on your glorious throne, who gets to sit next to you? Uh, their moms come and ask Jesus later, which I think is just hilarious. Hey, Jesus, you know, Peter's a good kid. Can he sit next to you? <laughs> and Jesus says, not up to me. My father's going to decide who, who sits where. But they want to know who's going to be the greatest. Who's going to be on top in the age to come? And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles, they exercise lordship over them. And those in authority over them are called benefactors, Okay. Benefactors are those in leadership, benefact, right? Fact, working for the bene, working for the good of the whole. The Gentile leaders aren't doing that. And if you want to know why, just Google any of the Herods, all right? They didn't benefact for anyone but themselves, and it's bad news. So the Gentiles lorded over people. They used their power to dominate. And Jesus says, verse 26, but not so with you. My disciples, my followers, don't walk out this age in that way. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest. Let the leader be the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? It's not, is it not the one who reclines? Right? It's a rhetorical question. Because aren't the, the greatest ones the ones who are propped up and who are served so, and, and who have others go low to prop them up? That's, that's, the, that's the spirit of the age, right? you want to be great, you need to go up high and have people lift you up. But Jesus then says an absolutely bonkers thing and says, but I am among you as the one who serves. No other kings do this. No other leaders do this. No presidents do this. No governor. This is the heart of Jesus. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials. And I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom while we've been singing the last three weeks and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. The meek inherit the earth. The meek reign with him. And I'm going to hammer this point all the way through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and I think probably the rest of your Bible. It's eschatology-based discipleship. It's discipleship now according to your destiny then. You live now how you're going to live then. The night is far gone. Live in the daytime. Live according to that day. Your destiny. God, this, and this is awesome. 
Because this is true for you if you're three years old or you're 90 years old. Your destiny, your final state is not to shed your body and put on a choir robe for an eternal sing-along in the sky. The meek inherit the earth. We inherit the earth. The Bible story isn't to escape from the earth. It's to stand on the earth forever with King Jesus. That's the blessed hope. The blessed hope, our destiny, is for Jesus, the second Adam, to return, for the Spirit to quicken our mortal bodies up out of the dirt so that we stand and reign on the dirt just like the first Adam was meant to. It's a re-eating, guys. You're going to stand on the earth and rule over the earth and govern over the earth. And the earth is going to be wonderful because everybody in charge is in charge in meekness like their king. I mean, that, that's, that's so many implications for today. Like, right, I don't, I don't, when I'm preaching this stuff, I don't want you just thinking, well, that's just pie in the sky, future, it doesn't matter. But guys, it absolutely matters now. Live now how you're going to live then. So in the meantime, you walk out your discipleship according to your destiny. And what's your destiny? Revelation 20, to reign on the earth. What's your destiny? Your destiny, by faith, grafted into Abraham's destiny, is to Romans 4, inherit the whole world. It's a big world, okay? Jesus is going to have a lot of people ruling over every different sphere of the earth. Your destiny is to lead the earth, 1 Corinthians 6, 2. Your destiny is to judge angels, 1 Corinthians 6, 3. Which, uh, you know, what, I don't know what that means. Your destiny is to participate in a great re-edening. So you can throw your weight around in this age. You can throw it around to be served. And you can dominate in this age. And you can have your reward now. 30, 40, 50 years. You can absolutely have your reward. Okay? Jesus is just clear about that. There's a way you can walk in this age. And you can dominate people and have people serve you. Rather than you serve them and love them. You can have that and it will be a reward. And you'll enjoy it for 50 years. Or... Sermon on the Mount says, or you can throw your weight around to serve in this age. And you can throw your weight around to be meek in this age and use your power and your influence and your might from God to make others great and have your reward then for endless ages as the meek inherit the earth. Okay? And so again, I'm just saying, don't be an idiot. If you have a choice between 40 years or 400 trillion years, what should you choose? Wisdom will be justified. Wisdom will be justified. We won't stand on that day and be like, man, I wish I'd taken advantage of more people. You won't say that. You'll say, I wish I served more people and loved more people and went low to make others great more in this age. That's what you'll say. Choose meekness in this day and enjoy greatness in that day. So with all of this in view, I just want us to worship Jesus here. Okay? Okay, all this in view, God has chosen the meek to inherit the earth. Let's finish by reminding us of this. There is one man who is truly meek. There is one man who will truly inherit the earth. The Father can trust the Son to bring justice to the nations, trusting in the Lord in his day, and cut off the wicked because, not just because his name is Jesus. You know what I mean? We can speculate about people's meekness, right? You can say, I think, you know, I got a good vibe about them. We don't have to do that with Jesus. He's actually proved it. He has shown that he is the meek and just one. And how did he prove it? 
I'm going to say the cross, but you go back to his birth, guys. He went, lo, how many kings leave their throne and dwell in a womb for nine months and learn how to walk and learn how to speak and have their diaper changed? No one does that. But the meek king does, and then he dies on a cross. He chooses to die for his enemies and offer them amnesty before the day rather than trample them now. The humility and the meekness of Jesus is not just like an inner virtue that he has. He's proven it. How do we know Jesus is meek? We look at his birth. We look at his life. We look at his death. He left his rank and place to serve sinful men. Philippians 2, we've read it a million times. You do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Great instruction. Where can we see how that's worked out? Next verse, which was also in Christ Jesus. You live this way like he did, who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. Meaning when he came, he didn't dominate. When he came, he served. But emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Okay? It's not for nothing that when Jesus is hanging on the cross, the, the, the thief says, why don't you call down legions of angels? Because he could have. You know what I mean? It's not an empty threat. Jesus like, ah, I could, but I'm not going to. That day is set. That will come. That will happen. Now I'm dying for your sins so that when it comes, you're prepared. The meekness of Jesus, the meekness of his heart is proof. This is how we know that he can be trusted to carry out the day of the Lord. And even the day of the Lord, guys, as, as intense as that, I mean, we're reading this in our high school class today, as intense as it is, Jesus, in his heart, unlike our hearts, carries it out in absolute tenderness and compassion for the inhabitants of the earth. Does that make sense? He, he, it's not, the day of the Lord is not Jesus' violent knee-jerk reaction because he lost his temper. The day of the Lord is the patience of God reached to its conclusion, wanting, waiting for people to repent so that they will not perish. So even when he brings it, guy, it's, it's in compassion and tenderness. And this is what I think is bonkers. Even the establishing of his own kingdom is done with others in mind. Even at the day of the Lord, it's his day. Right, Isaiah says, you alone will be exalted in that day. Worthless goals, men's idols will be exposed. You will be exalted. Even at the day of the Lord, his day, he considers others more important than himself. You know what I mean? The day of the Lord is not an ego trip for Jesus. This is what Philippians said, and this is what Jesus himself said. Luke twelve thirty seven. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, when he comes, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. Jesus, uncreated God, seated at the height of the heavens next to the Father, comes and puts on janitor clothes and waiter clothes and serves Who's a God like this? (laughs) There's nobody like Jesus, guys. Nobody does this. This is why. 
This is the heart of Jesus. This is why the Father has appointed Jesus and not some other man to be king over all the earth. When the meek king returns, you can read Psalm 45, he girds his sword on his thigh and he rides on victoriously. And it says, Psalm 45, it's for the cause of truth and for the cause of meekness and righteousness. The age to come. And how we walk out our days now, okay? Don't just put this off. It is in the future. But live it out now. Live in the daytime. That age is characterized by Jesus ruling in meekness. And those who have proven trustworthy in this age will rule with him. And the glory of the Lord, the sweet leadership of King Jesus, contrary to the kings of this age, covers the earth. So in the meantime, Matthew 11, take his yoke upon you and learn of him, for he is meek and he is lowly in heart. Look at him. Take that yoke upon him. Look at his cross and his death for sinners like you and me. Repent of your sin that caused it, that made it necessary. And look how he went low to serve in love. And the rest of the verse says, you shall find rest for your souls. Guys, Jesus is just awesome. That, like, like, I'm way past time. Jesus is awesome. He is meek. He is king over all the earth. And as his subjects and as his disciples and as his followers, we follow him in meekness. We restrain ourselves at evil and trust in him. And we use our power and our influence and our leadership to go low and serve and love people. Bearing witness to the hope that is in us. Let's pray. Father, God, I thank you for um, Helen's answer. Who's a God like this? My God. Lord, this is, this is who we serve. We serve King Jesus, who is meek and gentle and lowly in heart, who in all that he does, though for his glory, is for the sake of others. So I ask, Lord, by the Spirit, that the Spirit would train us in meekness. That He would be our our coach and our helper and our friend and our leader and our mentor who teaches us to uh, say no to ungodliness and pursue righteousness. Who teaches us to say no to to dominating people. Who teaches us to say no to, to ordering our lives so other people serve us. Who teaches us, God, to go low and serve. Who teaches us to put on a towel, to wash feet, to go low, to turn the other cheek, to trust in the Lord and in His day. Had a thought. Um, Moses goes up on the mountain, right? And he says, show me your glory. Right? If you don't know, that's the story. Moses goes up. He says, show me your glory. And uh, the Lord has to pass his backside by him. Because Moses might die otherwise. And what if, if Moses could have peered into that glory, what Moses would have seen is not just a marvelous ball of orb of light, whatever, Moses would have seen a humble Jewish man with a towel wrapped around his waist. That's the glory of God. 
who goes low to serve and love and give his life as a ransom for many. And that's what we celebrate. I'm not sure who's doing Are you doing communion? Okay. John's going to lead us in communion. <laughs> the Lord who, who gave his life.